Welcome to the House of Blues. You know, the House of Blues is a uh, place that um, we have all been to. Some of you are there today. And um, it's a place where there, there's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. I think it's a place where you get discouraged. And it's that place you find yourself when life takes an unwanted turn. You know, when you find yourself in the house of blues, the question is, what will you do? Because I've watched through the years, you know, some people just kind of close their eyes and they hope it goes away. And other people face it with incredible uh, courage. Some people get angry. Some people find an inner peace. Some blame God in in those times. Other people draw closer to, to God Some crumble, some find strength, some break down and they just get stuck saying, why me? And then other people break through and say, what's next? You know, we're in this uh, series and we're focusing on a guy named Joseph. And I said last week, Joseph has every reason to sing the blues. This guy has faced hurt. He faces pain. He faces injustice in his life. And God used all of that stuff, used every bit of it. And Joseph ends up accomplishing some amazing things, great things, things that he would not have achieved any other way had he not been in that house of blues. And I think that's true in our lives too. When when you're in the house of blues... It is absolutely important that you remember, and this was kind of the core last week, God is preparing you for what God has prepared for you. And it's something you've got to remember when you're in that house. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you, uh, go to the website, go to iTunes, uh, listen to the message and get caught up. But here's kind of the thumbnail. Joseph had 11 brothers. Joseph's family was dysfunctional, all right? And we talked quite a bit about that last week. Joseph had a really fancy Gucci coat or robe. It was a gift from Daddy. He was the favored son. Everybody knew he was Daddy's favorite, especially his brothers, and it caused a lot of anger and a lot of resentment, you you can imagine. Joseph doesn't help things. Because Joseph has a couple dreams, and he, God was showing Joseph what was ahead for him, that one day he would rule not only over his family, but he would rule over all the nations. And so he's 17 years old. He gets this dream, and he is jazzed about the dream. And so what he does is he starts telling everybody, well, specifically let his brothers know right away that he would rule over them. And you can imagine how that went. It didn't play well, all right? He, the brothers are amped up on re, their resentment is just kind of building and their envy and their jealousy. And so one day, the brothers are out in the field working. Dad sends him out, sends Joseph out to check up on him. And they see him coming. And they know it's him because of the coat or the robe. And so they start plotting and planning They decide they're going to kill him. And so when he finally gets there, they 
they take his robe off of him and they throw him down in a cistern, all right? Throw him down in this pit to die. Now they're sitting around fabricating a story that they're going to tell the family about what happened to Joseph. And that's where we left off last week. This week, we pick up Genesis 37. It says, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? His blood would just give us a guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelites traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. Now, don't you love a brother like that? Joseph's brothers toss him in this pit. Scripture says, if you read the whole story, that um, they sit down to eat. So I picture they, they called Jimmy John's, all right? And they ordered because they, they'll take it anywhere. And so they're sitting around, they're eating subs, they're, they're talking and having a good time. One of the brothers, Judah, He sees the caravan and he's like, hey, I've got an idea. Let's not kill Joseph. Let's sell Joseph to the traders. They'll take him to Egypt and we'll take his robe. We'll cover it with goat's blood. We'll take it back to dad, show him the robe, tell him that poor Joseph was killed by a wild animal. We'll make some money. We'll get rid of the dreamer. Win-win. And that's exactly what they did. They end up giving him, selling him 20 pieces of silver, Scripture says, into slavery. When I, when I read the story of Joseph, it's got this good news, bad news quality. You know, the good news, bad news kind of twists. Uh, you know the kind of stories I'm talking about? You know, it's like the two friends that love baseball, and so they're really curious if, there's gonna, if they're going to be able to play baseball when they get to heaven, and so they make a pact with one another and say, whoever dies first and gets to heaven, come back and tell the other one, let the other one know if there's baseball in heaven. And so the day comes, one of the guys dies, he uh, gets permission, makes good on his promise, he comes back to see his, his friend that's still here on the earth. And he says to him, he says, you know what? I've, I've got some good news and bad news. And he's like, well, well, tell me, tell me, tell me. He said, well, the good news, you get to play baseball in heaven. He said, the bad news, you're pitching Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph. Joseph's story is full of this good news, bad news. Joseph's the favored son. That's good news if you're Joseph. Joseph's brothers hate his guts. That's bad news if you're Joseph. Daddy gives him a beautiful coat. That's good. His brothers rip it off of him. That's bad. They throw him in a cistern. That's bad. His brothers reconsider. That's good. 
they sell them into slavery. That's bad. Do you see how this goes? And when you read the story, you wonder, you just wonder as the story goes back and forth and back and forth and the twists and the turns, you wonder, how's it going to end? How's this story going to end? If it ends bad, even though there's some good news mixed in here, it's kind of a cruel roller coaster, isn't it? But if it ends good, see, I think if it ends good, then all the bad news gets redeemed. It gets defeated. All, all the bad stuff serves a purpose. But it all depends on how the story ends, doesn't it? You know, like us, I think Joseph, he starts with a dream. Dream that he would do great things. That he would make his family proud. That he would be a leader of the nations. And I think every one of us here knows what it's like to have a dream and then to get bad news. To be disappointed. In fact, everyone here knows in some area of your life You know what it's like for things not to go well, to not go the way you dreamed it, right? I mean, it may be in your work life, it may be in your marriage, might be with your kids, might be with your parents, might be your finances, might be your health. See, I believe we're all good news, bad news stories. We all have bad news and we all have good news to share. Today what I want to do is kind of look at some crossroads in Joseph's life uh, where I believe Joseph's fate is kind of determined. And and what I want to do as I'm talking, what I want you to do is to consider how you would respond, to consider how your story is going to end. All right? So Joseph sold into slavery. He's taken to Egypt, to a strange land. It's a month's journey from where he he lives. And he's put on the auction block. A guy named Potiphar bought him. Potiphar is the big boss man. You were trying to figure out how it's going to connect there, right? But he's the big boss man. He's a high government official in Egypt. Joseph is a slave, okay? Joseph's dream appears to be dead. It's a crossroad. Joseph doesn't quit. He doesn't give up on the dream. In fact, Joseph makes a decision that's very clear to me as I study this story that he he decides early on, even though he's disappointed, even though his dream seems really far away, even though he's in the house of blues now, Joseph refuses to quit. When, When things don't go like you planned, and they won't always, when you are in the house of blues, I think you have to decide that you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. You know, when Joseph ends up in Potiphar's house, 
He, he's a slave, all right? He's not an employee. He's a slave. And, and you would think that he would have been tempted to complain, don't you? Like, this isn't what I signed up for. I had a dream. Now I'm a slave. I, I, I may have to work for this guy, but I don't have to like it. You, you would think he would have had the mentality, okay, so I've got to punch the clock. I've got to do this stuff, but I'm only going to do what I have to, and I'm not going to enjoy it. But that's not what he does. Scripture says, And this is an important phrase here. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. See, I I think God wanted Joseph to understand that when life didn't go the way that he had planned, that he wasn't alone. That God was with him. It says the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Given him success in everything he did, this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Joseph's in a distant land. He's far away from his family. He's been separated from everything. Everything. But God's still with him. He's been separated from everything. God's still with him. It's the first mention in Scripture, in this story, of God's presence being with Joseph in his life. So Joseph, this guy with a remarkable leadership capacity, this guy that applies himself to the task. You know, Joseph is not working his dream job, right? He's a slave. But he gives it his very, very best. Do you see a progression here? Do you see something that's important? I mean, he gets promoted he should have been a field slave coming in the door but some reason potiphar notices i think it's the attitude and he promotes him he promotes him to a management position so now he's working in the house and then finally potiphar makes him the overseer you might say chief of staff over everything that he owns and i'm thinking that's good right if you read on In the story, it says the only problem that Potiphar had, the only concern he had, what am I going to eat and where am I going to eat? Nachos from Taco Bell, Big Macs from McDonald's. Hmm. They said that's all all you had to worry about. Joseph's a slave. Joseph doesn't quit. Joseph doesn't take up residency in the, in the house of blues. He doesn't allow it to infiltrate his, his attitude. You see, Joseph's committed to reaching his full God-given potential where he was. He's working to the best of his ability. Joseph's deepening his faith. He's deepening his endurance, which would help him become a great leader. 
But I wonder, what if Joseph had quit? Joseph, I believe, would have missed a very unique role that God had for him to save the nations. You know, Joseph would have missed, perhaps, his his dream. Just missed the whole thing. And here's something that I think we've got to remember. God has a plan for you. God has a plan, no matter how visible it may be or how small it may seem. All right? In this world, anyway. God has a unique plan for your life. Have you ever quit something when you were disappointed? I mean, I have found it is much easier to have another donut than run another lap. True? It's always easier to stomp out of the room angry than to work through whatever the conflict is. When you're, when you're disappointed in life, when you find yourself in the house of blues, I believe the option of quitting is very alluring. It can look like very sweet relief in, in your life. I mean, it could look like this. You know, this marriage... This, this isn't what I signed up for. Are you kidding me? I am out of here. Maybe it looks like, you know, I'm trying to keep a budget. Trying to honor God and to give faithfully. I'm trying to be disciplined with my finances. Man, it's too hard. I'm just going to spend. Who cares? You know, maybe, maybe it's a job. This isn't my dream job. I had big plans for my life. I was going to do great things. I was going to play on a bigger field. This job, this is pits, man. I'm just going to do what I have to. Get a paycheck. See, quitting... Giving up looks like temporary relief. But here's what I figured out. It tends to produce people who live in a pattern of giving up. And every time you quit something, it shapes your character just a little bit. It softens your character. It makes quitting easier the next time you face an obstacle in life. But strong character gets developed when you endure. Even when you feel like quitting. You know, strong faith is developed when things don't turn out like you planned. And you face that moment and you say, you know what, I'm going to grow. I'm going to persist. I'm going to be faithful with what I do. Even if it's a difficult circumstance, even if I don't understand, I am going to do my best. And when you do that, here's what I've also figured out. In that moment, you realize God's with you. Even in a distant land like Joseph was. Even in slavery. Joseph's not alone. He's not alone here. God's with him. And I want to say to you, whatever you feel like quitting today... Whatever you're tempted to to quit, 
Remember, God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. Don't quit what God's called you to endure. Joseph, Joseph finds himself in this strange land. He's a slave. That's bad, right? Joseph endures. And God blesses him. God raises him up. And I think that's good. That's a good thing. Then Joseph faces another crossroad, something that we all struggle with. Joseph faces temptation. When life doesn't go the way you planned, I'm just giving you a heads up here. When you don't have the joy that you had hoped for, if your dream had been fulfilled, you feel like, if I'd have had that. Instead, you've got disappointment, pain. Here's the heads up. Sin will come looking for you in that moment. You know, Joseph says this. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. All right, think Ryan Reynolds, you know, Hugh Jackman. I don't know, you pick. I'm thinking Joseph was a handsome and well-built young man. That's good. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. I want you to think about Joseph here. Joseph could. He could have said, why not? I'm far away from home. I've been betrayed. My dreams have been shattered. I'm doing all the work around here, and he was. And I'm not getting any of the benefits. Why not? A little fun. I mean, I deserve this. But not Joseph. Joseph doesn't go there. Scripture says, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything and his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. He's reminding her. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. See, Joseph's living by God's standards. He's standing strong. And Scripture, if you read it, it says she persists day after day after day after day. She keeps working on him little by little, bit by bit, maybe a glance, maybe a note, maybe a a touch, promise, hoping he'll cross the line. But Joseph doesn't. It says one day, however... No one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hands, and he ran from the house. Can you imagine that? What a a sight. Joseph's in the house alone with her. She grabs his robe. He's trying to get away. And he runs out of his robe and out of the house. Now, there's a couple things that hit me. One, I'm thinking Joseph has robe issues big time. This is the second one he's lost. But he's got a problem now. You know, sometimes in times of of temptation, when you're up against the wall, 
Sometimes the best options to run, just run, just run. And I want to be clear about this because some of you are at that point in temptation where it's got its grasp on you. And you got to fight. And there's that moment where you want to give in. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And you just got to run. You just got to run. It's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. He says, just run. Don't play games. Don't rationalize. Don't pretend that you're so sophisticated or so strong that you can handle it. Just run. Just run. How many of you have ever seen the bug zappers? Do you know what I'm talking about? These things, those lights they put outside and it zaps the bugs. A while back I saw there's some new ones and they're, they're blue. And uh, the light just draws the bugs right and left. And I keep hearing this zap. It was real annoying. But it's killing the bugs right and left. And you would think, okay, you would think that the bugs would wise up after a while. You would think that one of the bugs would look at the tray of littered bug bodies and go, whoa, wait a minute. I notice my friends are drawn to the light, but when they get close, they get zapped. I am staying away from there. Stay away from there. Bad. But the bugs don't do that, do they? Apparently, bugs, they see that and they go, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I can handle the attraction without getting... Some of you, life hasn't turned out like you planned. And temptation is now drawing you. A temptation that at one time in your life, it would have been really easy for you to deflect it. But because of disappointment, because of the house of blues, what you do, you start rationalizing. You start entertaining the possibilities. And I just want to say to you, run, it's a setup. <laughs> Some of you are on that course. And it leads to destruction. It does. Maybe a relationship with someone that's not your spouse. And understand, it may not be sexual. But what's happening is you're building an emotional connection that's not healthy. You know, maybe it's just notes. Maybe it's just that signal you're given that, hey, I'm attracted. But you're heading for disaster. Run. Run. Run for God's sake. Run for your own sake. Run for the sake of your family and the people that are going to be hurt and damaged. Just run. You know, for some, it's an issue of dishonesty now. Because you're in this house of blues and things are, are spinning out. And so you're getting loose with the words. You're, as it's spinning and the problems are coming, what you're doing is you're deceiving. In fact, deceptions become the norm because you're, you're trying to cover your tracks. 
trying to stay out of trouble, trying to hide whatever's going on. You know, it might be a student that's discovered that cheating is the way to get the grade that they think they deserve. You know, some of you are involved in addictive patterns in your life because you're trying to numb the pain, trying to find just a few moments of pleasure because life has dealt you a serious blow. You know, for some of you, you're allowing resentment to poison you, to poison what used to be a loving heart. For some of you, it's just anger. And it's isolating you. And you're withering up inside. And I just want to tell you, run, 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 run. You know, talk to a Christian friend. Talk to a Christian counselor that's well-trained. Talk to, to someone in your small group. Get their support. But determine that you're going to do whatever it takes to resist. And just run. Just run. If Joseph had given in to the temptation, he would have betrayed himself. He would have betrayed his values. He would have betrayed his master. And he would have betrayed his God. And I think it's quite possible Joseph would have missed his whole destiny, been on some other road. But Joseph runs. He resists. He says, you know what? I'm going to be God-honoring with how I live my life. And when I hear that, when I read that in the story, my first inclination is God will reward him. But it's not what happened. Pick up in verse 16. It says, she kept the cloak in her hand until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. She said, but... When I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. She told her story. It's a twisted story. It's not the truth. And when, when, I, when I read that, I think this, this is wrong. You know, God, you cannot allow this man to, to be destroyed when it's a lie. God, the truth has to come out. Verse 19, it says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story, and rightfully so, about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. When it doesn't seem possible... When it seems like Joseph can't handle anything more, we got more bad news. Joseph is thrown into prison. And he finds himself in in this terrible situation. says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Here we go again. He's with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. God doesn't spare Joseph from prison, but God's with him. And I want you to know God's with you. Wherever you are. You know, whatever you're going through, whatever disappointment, 
God is there in the midst of it. Joseph makes this defining decision. You know, I believe Joseph would rather face life with God and have absolutely nothing in his life than to live without God and have everything. I mean, that's how he lived. Joseph's a prisoner. He decides that he's going to be God-honoring. Verse 22, it says, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. Do you, you see a trend here with him? And over everything that happened in the prison, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. You see, in prison, he's going to face his third crossroads. He's in prison with a couple of guys that are going to become very prominent in the story. He's in prison with a baker and a cupbearer. Cupbearer uh, would eat and drink the food before the king would to make sure that it was safe. Uh, and he's kind of like a butler a little bit. But anyway, Joseph is in prison. These two guys, the baker and the, the cupbearer, they have a dream. And it's very unsettling to them. Scripture says, verse uh, 6 and 7 says, When Joseph came to them the next morning, he's talking about those two guys, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's home, Why do you look so sad today? Here's what amazes me. Joseph... Joseph's in prison for something he didn't do. Joseph, with all his troubles, sees these two guys that have troubles and are struggling. See, Joseph could have isolated himself. He he could have focused on his own disappointment. And, And the fact is, when you're in the house of blues, you're hurting, you're disappointed... What can happen? Your world can get really, 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 really small. Where all you see is your pain, your hurt, your disappointment. So small that finally you do not see anyone else's, but not Joseph. Joseph, instead, as he's in prison, he realizes he's not the only one that has troubles. He's not the only one that life didn't turn out the way that he had planned. See, nobody goes, hey, I think I'll see if I can get thrown in prison. He sees them all around in people that are broken. And Joseph decides that he's going to let God use him. That he's going to start treating these discouraged, disgraced prisoners like they matter. When nobody else cares, Joseph notices. Joseph takes note. You would have expected him to be so preoccupied with his own problems, but he's concerned with others. And I want to ask you, how compassionate are your eyes in life? How compassionate are they? How compassionate are they when things don't work out in your life and things aren't going well? How are they then, huh? Are you like Joseph? Do do you read people's faces? Because there's something I've figured out that most people wear on their face what's going on in their heart. 
You can look at someone's face and tell that they're sad or that they're anxious or that they're afraid or that they're angry or whatever. You just have to look at faces. And I wonder, do you look? Do you look? Do you look at your friends? Do you look at your coworkers? Do you look at your neighbors? Do you look at your spouse? Do you look at your children? Do, do you notice when they're sad? Do you even know? And if you do, what do you say? See, Joseph sees their face. He sees these two guys. He can tell they're troubled. And he asks one question. He goes, why do you look so sad today? Hey, what's bothering you? What's up? You okay? Just a few words that say, I notice. Somebody cares. And I'll tell you what, friends. It speaks volumes to a person that's discouraged when someone notices. Your words, your words can have tremendous impact on their heart. Your words can bring hope to someone that's broken. When was the last time you expressed that? Genuine concern. Not going to get something back out of it. Just genuine concern. Joseph had compassion. He had a compassionate heart. And he sees people and he has words that tell them that he cares. Why do you look so sad? And he offers to help. He offers to help. Scripture says that the guys respond. They say, we both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph says to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Joseph God has given him the gift to uh, interpret. And so the cupbearer tells Joseph. And Joseph interprets a dream. Again, it's a gift from God. And he says to him, he says, you know what? Your dream, what it means, and you'll have to read the the dream yourself, but he says, you're going to be released from prison and you're going to be restored to your position as cupbearer to the Pharaoh. Three days it's going to happen. And Joseph asked the cupbearer, he says, you know what? Remember me. When you are restored to your position, please let Pharaoh know the injustice so that I can be released too. The baker tells him his dream. Joseph interprets it. Again, gift from God. He tells the baker, he says, in three days, you will be executed. Actually, it's a bit more gory, but you're going to have to read the story. I think, this isn't in Scripture, but I think the baker probably was going, that's the last time you're going to interpret my dreams. And it was the last time. But you see, it was all Joseph could do. Joseph just shares what God gave him insight into, and it was the truth. Three days go by, the baker is executed. That was bad news. Three days go by, the cupbearer is released from prison and restored to his position. That was good news. Now, here's what I imagine happened. Is I imagine Joseph's a bit hopeful at this point. Maybe I'll get justice now. Maybe I'll get set free. No more prison. No more slavery. Maybe I can go back home. And so he waits that day. Imagine he sat in his cell 
And he watched. He was waiting for the guards to come open and to bring him word. But nothing. He waits the next day. Nothing. After several days, I think maybe Joseph was thinking, all right, I bet he's waiting for the right moment to tell Pharaoh. I'll bet maybe he ran into some red tape and they got to work through that. And after a month, Joseph realizes the cupbearer forgot about him. The writer of the story wants us to get something here. He wants us to understand Joseph's whole life right now. In his mind, it's hanging in the balance. And it's in the hands of another human being. Another human heart. And the cupbearer forgets. It's human nature, isn't it? The cupbearer has his own problems. People tend to be obsessed with their own well-being. Two years, Joseph will sit in prison. We'll talk about next week. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. You know, the fact is that God has a plan. Wherever you're at today, I want to tell you it's not the end of the story. When you're in the house of blues, you've got to remember, you've got to remember, this is not Joseph's story. This is not your story or just your story and just my story. It's God's story. And God is not finished. God is not finished. No matter how dead the dream seems, God's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you. And I pray that you hold on to that. Because with God, the story ends very, very different. God redeems all that stuff. So um, let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we thank you that our story has not been written yet. The final chapter has not been written. God, I thank you that you are with us. And I know there are some here today that They're in that house of blues. God, I pray that your spirit would scream to them that I'm with you and I'm not finished. God, I thank you that uh, although life has all these twists and turns, that you are always faithful. You are always faithful. Out of the bad, you bring good. That you use it all. You use it all. That you are preparing us for a future you prepared for us. God, we give you the glory with all we say and do in good times and bad. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.